This is Blood Bank, a podcast where hospital workers share a story from an experience in medicine that has stayed with them, and then they tell us why. I'm Amanda Rubano, and I'm a medical student at the University of Rochester. Today, we're going to hear a story from Dr. Flavia Nobe about a chance encounter of beautiful patient care that changed a patient's life as well as her own. Dr. Nobe is a professor of emergency medicine and the associate dean for student affairs at the University of Rochester School of Medicine. So I guess the story I'm going to tell you about is the moment that I recognize the power of emergency medicine. (laughs) Not necessarily of an individual person, but of what the potential of the field is. I went to undergraduate at a large public institution in California, and I was a pretty lost first, second, third, and fourth year student. I came from a very small, all-girls Catholic school and then went to like, boom, like this 35,000-person institution. And I didn't know what I was going to do or who I was going to be when I grew up. I had no idea. And I was incredibly friable. Like, it just took a little pick for me to start bleeding into one area or another. It just didn't matter. So a friend of mine said, and this was back in the day where medicine was a little bit more accessible and not so storied and so protected and swipe cards and ID badges and patient protection and all that kind of stuff. And a friend of mine said, hey, I'm going to go volunteer at this hospital called Alameda County Highland Hospital. It's in Oakland. And do you want to come? And I was just like, sure, sounds good. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll be a party planner. You know, maybe I'll do event planning. Maybe that will be good for me. And she sound, she was nice and I liked her and I thought, sure, why not? And there was a ride. So I went and I just want to give you the backdrop of Oakland, California in the 1990s. This was in the heyday of HIV. This was in the heyday of crack cocaine and the decimation of communities of color in particular. And this was in the heyday of areas and communities that were so boundaried by race and socioeconomics. And it was always a community that I was I gravitated towards. I didn't know why, I don't know how, but it was always a place that I felt like was a little magical and I wanted to be in it. So that hospital was the only hospital that served that entire community. And it was a vast community and it was known to be what we called back then a knife and gun club, right? So gang violence was rampant, crack cocaine was everywhere, it was really motivating a lot of behaviors, there was no access for patients. So I thought, this sounds like a really interesting event for me to go to, I'm going to go. So we walked into the hospital and the first thing we did was we went to the volunteer office and checked in for the day and the lady's like, yeah, you can go work in the emergency department. To do that, you had to walk across a waiting room where people were anything but white. There was nothing but people of color. And they were sitting in chairs and lying on grounds. And people had like camped up. I was expecting to see pop-up camping stoves. You could tell that they had been there for days. And there are no amenities. I'm sure there was a bathroom with toilet paper, but I don't even remember seeing a water fountain. And I remember thinking, wow, this is pretty interesting. There's a lot of humanity in here. And there's a lot of humanity that I really enjoy being part of. So we walk into the emergency department and it was a very, very long corridor, really long corridor with all these rooms off to the side of it and lined up in the hallway vertically. So head to toe, head to toe, head to toe were patients in various forms of restraint. Two point restraint, four point restraint, body restraint, tied down, clearly either intoxicated 
baseline psychologically devastated or in states of absolute despair, going from anywhere of apathy to just violent outbursts of crying. So it was literally bedlam. It was what you would expect in like mid-century French insane asylums of what things looked like. And I remember thinking, this is like 10 minutes from my house. What is happening in here? And it was chaotic and people seemed to be rushing around. There's a lot of laughter and joking and all sorts of stuff going on. It was really disorienting. You couldn't tell who was who because everyone wore the same clothes, otherwise known as scrubs. And there was really no sense of what was going down. It was just this giant melting pot of people. And, you know, I, I was confused. It was a couple hours. I was really disoriented and patients were in giant rooms and people were urinating on beds and defecating next to gurneys. And it was really chaos. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh. So then this trauma activation happened. Everybody heard this level one trauma alert come through. And kind of like lemmings, they all just kind of walked into this special room that I hadn't been in. In the room, it's like a large square and one eighth of the square had a red line. It was demarcated by a red line and all the people observing or volunteers had to stay behind this red line. It felt like at the time, I'm being very hyperbolic, like a hundred people in this room and there was a lot of equipment and I remember seeing all this equipment. A couple minutes later, there was a large number of us volunteering, observing behind this red line. Chaos, no organization, I don't know what was happening. And then this patient rolls in on a gurney. He's probably like a 55-year-old, very, very skinny Eritrean man who is spurting blood out of his arm or leg or some part of his body, screaming in a non-English language. And he gets brought in. And I remember the moment he crossed into the orifice of the door, the entire room became silent. And I remember this remarkable moment of like the most clear, efficient, compassionate care of this wildly intoxicated, turns out he was HIV positive, African-American male by a team of people that saved his life. And I remember so clearly watching this all unfold. And I remember being on one side of the red line and putting my foot on the other side, wondering, is it different on that side? Because what's happening here is so magical. This is what I need my life to be part of. Because that sense, it was like in a symphony when all these instruments are like warming up and it's all crazy. And then the conductor taps and then the first bar comes across and music comes forth from all this chaos. That's what it was like. And I remember thinking, I want to be part of that. I don't know what party this is, but I'm organizing that party. And so um, it was this moment in emergency medicine when I thought I have the power or the potential to make that great of a difference with somebody, but not just as an individual, but on a team that takes care of people regardless of race, color, creed, ethnicity, sexual orientation, whatever, in such a compassionate and humanistic way. 
I couldn't believe it. And that's the moment I was just like, this is the field for me. And that was back in the day when emergency medicine was not a thing. It was new. It was only 10, 20 years old. And I remember thinking, it's going to be here. It's going to be this program. And it changed my life. And I loved it. And that patient was wild and crazy and spurting blood. It was okay. You know, there was no fear. There was no anger. There was no antagonism. It was like everybody working together to make it a better place. Everyone had a role. Everyone knew how to speak to each other. It was like a language that was remarkable that I wanted to be part of. So what's the single moment that, and I feel like I'm going to know your answer because this story is so climactic, but the single moment that you think of when you retell that story? I remember the moment of chaos to quiet. The pause in between that was so pregnant with potential and the confidence that exuded in that cause of we can take care of whatever comes through that door we can handle it together it was palpable in that moment what do you think that mentality has taught you moving forward what it has taught me there's two things that one life doesn't come in these like very well organized experiences like you can do a shadowing rotation be completely uninspired you can go do a volunteer experience and it can be absolutely benign and apathetic but to be available and present and open to potential and to recognize it and to stop within yourself and recognize that i've just been moved and I need to resonate with why I'm being moved. The ability to stop for a second and be like, I felt something and it meant something and it feels like a little ripple, but it could be a tidal wave. And to just pause and be like, what is this? Whether it's in relationships, whether it's in interactions, whether it's in potential fields that you're going to go into, whether it's in decisions to work on a certain project or paper or whatever it is, it's so rare to have that moment of potential in front of you and to be vibrating at that level, to not just be like, wow, that was really cool and move on, but to be like, what about this? Because it is that very thing that I saw, that feeling of cohesion and team that has sustained me throughout my career every single time. I make a change, I ask myself, does it have that magic second? Because if it does, it's going to be good for me. I really do. I, I, I don't even know how to define it or put my hands around it, but I have to pay attention to it. And when I feel that, that's what I move towards. So I'm not real logical. I don't have lists. I'm not really somebody who is super thoughtful but I felt it and I need to respect it. And that is what I kind of go towards all the time now. I think that's inspirational. Oh, I, I don't know if it's inspirational, but it is real. And I'm not the type of person who's just like, you find your soulmate or this is the only field for you. You can feel it in a lot of ways. Emergency medicine for me had a lot of negatives to it, but man, the opportunity to feel like that was worth every single second. And it doesn't have to be as dramatic as a life and death situation. You can feel that in other parts of my job. And it is something that I love and is the sustenance behind all the garbage that can occur in that job. 
I think it's prescriptive to remind us really when that moment happens because it's a pull. It's like a baited moment where Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, what is the force behind that? But you have to ask if you're going to find out. Yeah, you have to give yourself time to reflect for a second. It is so easy in this career to feel something. I walk by a patient's gurney and and say to myself, oh, that person doesn't look good. I'm not even necessarily working on that side. The ability to be aware enough to say, I just got triggered by something I need to pay attention to it, whether it's good, bad, it doesn't matter because that's your opportunity to change, to make a difference for somebody, for something. That's a really important feeling for me. Do you feel that later in your career, you were a part of that team and a part of that language? I think if somebody was standing behind the red line right now and looking at me, they'd feel it. I don't feel it as much because it's what I do. But what I know is that when harmony occurs in the care of a patient, nothing feels better. Medicine is not an individual sport. It's not like you on a horse riding out in the sunset with your doctor's bag. It is a minivan full of people kind of screeching (laughs) to the patient and falling out. You can put some cohesion and some direction on that team. The patient really does better. And in the end, that's what it's about. The team members feel better. And in the end, that's what it's about. You are relevant, whether you're an environmental service worker or the lead of the team. And that's what it's all about. It really feels so good when we can create interdisciplinary teams that have a role and relevance and expertise in taking care of people who need it the most. And for me, the greatest potential in that is in emergency medicine, not for everybody but for me. And that's something that really means something to me. Well, I think there's something to be said for remembering that teams belong everywhere. The concept of a team is so bizarre, right? You you think of this like group of people dressed the exact same way, kicking the same ball, going the same direction. And for me, um, what really came through in that moment was that there was a value system that everyone aligned with, but everyone had intensely different roles whether it's getting the IV or getting the interpreter or the chaplain trying to help somebody navigate a difficult situation or the physician trying to stop the hemorrhage or the medical student trying to get the clothes off. Everybody was going in different directions. But what was clear, the value was respect and dignity for a patient who's suffering and we need to stop the initial bleed. And that was just a really powerful moment of It's not about being an automatron and looking and dressing and acting just like everyone else. It's about having a value system that is the North Star for what we do. And I love that. And I think that's a very potent, like you said, theme in emergency medicine. It is. It doesn't always work that way. And you really feel when it doesn't work. But man, when it works, it's like scratching that itch that is so deeply ingrained in you. It just feels phenomenal. Patients feel it too. So it's a win-win, I think. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that there are two sides to this. And Harmony, it's good for for the team, but the win isn't just for the team. The win is rarely for the team. The win is hopefully in moving the value system forward. That's the sustenance behind it all for me. Well, I'm intensely grateful. I think this is probably (laughs) like the shortest form story, and yet 
definitely one that has moved me. Oh, good. Greatly. Oh, good. I'm glad. Well, maybe we'll see you in emergency medicine at some point in time. Oh, I don't know if I work that quickly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a a slow worker. Yeah. Um, But big on moments that bring us to our knees. Yeah, it definitely did. Good. Well, I'm happy and I'm grateful and I thank you tremendously. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love sharing it. That was Dr. Nobe sharing with us a moment from her past. I'm Amanda Rubano, and you're listening to Blood Bank.